Welcome back to another season of South Africans Abroad, a show for expat South Africans and anyone interested in the experiences of those who have made the move overseas. Each episode, we'll hear from South Africans who have left the country to pursue new opportunities, be with loved ones, or simply follow their dreams. We'll explore the challenges and triumphs of life as an expat and the unique perspective that comes with being a South African abroad. I'm your host, Warren Burley, an expat South African who, like many, followed the dream of working overseas. Whether you're an expat yourself or just curious about the expat experience, join us as we delve into the motivations, struggles and joys of being a South African living overseas. Grab a castle, some biltong and join us on South Africans Abroad. Well, our first guest for 2023 and uh, season two, Janita Strube, all the way from Texas. Uh, Janita, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. Do you just want to uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do? Sure. Well, I'm originally from Johannesburg, uh, South Joburg, which was um, Oak Dean. Um, grew up there, um, raised, born, always lived in the South. And then I immigrated to Texas. Actually, I immigrated to Michigan first in the year 2000. Um, I was became to be an au pair. And then, um, you know, life took some turns. I married a military guy and we got relocated to Texas. And here I am. Um, so now I'm actually a director of uh, talent acquisition at a large university here in Texas, and I am loving every minute of it. Okay. So how long have you been? How long have you been in America? So I've been here since 2000. So what's that? 22 years. Sure. It's been a long time. That is a long time. And what made you decide to to come to the U.S.? So you know, back when I was younger, after graduation, you know, after matric. I backpacked, um, you know, to Florida, came and experienced the USA. I traveled a lot to China and Hong Kong for a a job that I had. And then I just fell in love with traveling and I fell in love with the USA. And then in about 2000, my cousin was an au pair in Georgia. And she called me up one day and said, hey, you got to do this. It's a great experience. It's only a year-long program. So... I said, you know what? I don't know what I want to do with my life. I want to travel, so this is my opportunity. So I got on a plane, coming here to be for a year. Um, I was here for a year. My visa came due to go home, um, and I decided to stay. I renewed my visa as a student, went to a university here in Michigan, um, and then I met this uh, military guy, and that's what kept me here and end up getting married to a u.s citizen okay so it sounds like it's quite a a, like a a good way to get into the u.s the the au pair visa right correct yeah what's the process like to i mean if somebody wants to start au pairing come to the states how how do they start the process sure um so i don't know how the program is now but i know that they're still doing it because a lot of american families are still looking for nannies and au pairs so how i did it was i actually went through an agency in uh, um, south africa and they did like a a study program with me and then they actually matched me with an american family i interviewed with about three families i think one was albuquerque new mexico chicago um, and then one was in michigan and out of the three families i really liked the michigan family so um, through the program, they book you your air tickets, 
the American family pays for you to fly over there and then you actually live with them. So I lived with them for a year and I was literally driving their their um, children around. I picked them up after school. I took them to after school sports. I was their babysitter. But while I was doing that, I also, um, you know, studied. So that's what actually helped me extend my visa was that I was an actual student still. Okay. And we, and we hear a lot of horror stories about au pairs, like what they go through. Is, I mean, some families, you know, treat them like, you know, um, like slaves. And is that all true? I mean, your experience? So in my experience, my family was um, a very wealthy family, but they did not treat me like that. But yes, there are horror stories. I had a lot of friends that, their families were just horrid. And, um, you know, I think it's just making sure that you find the right family when they interview and set you up for interviews. Um, you know, asking them questions that um, you might want to know and see how they answer it and don't let them make it about yourself. Because when I spoke to my family, it was by telephone. There was no FaceTime. There was no video calling. So, it was very hard for me to see them. And I had to gauge that by asking them questions. Um, and that's how I ended up picking um, that family was because I spoke to them. We had good conversation. We laughed a lot. So that's what made me end up picking that. But yes, there are horror stories. And my understanding is if you are in a situation, the program is so developed now that um, you can always switch families or they will send you back home. Or, or try and, you know, redirect you to a different family. Okay, so it's all about asking the right questions. Correct, yes. Yeah, and so would you recommend that, like being an au pair to people that want to come over? Absolutely. If you're young or you have kids that are young that want to travel, au pairing is a great place to start. Um, you can actually, you don't even have to go to just the USA. I know they have au pairs in um, Australia, in England, I mean, you can do a whole lot of stuff um, overseas, but I always found that the all pairing was great for me because it let me also have a social life, and I got to meet a whole bunch of um, other all pairs and you know intermingle with the American society. So I enjoyed it. Okay, you mentioned uh, you you met your husband. How did you meet him? Like through the oh, in school. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, you were studying. Yeah. You were studying together. Yeah, so we were in a class together and we just ended up speaking and that's how we met. And, you know, he was a military person, so um, he was stationed in Michigan. Okay. And uh, before he got relocated to Texas, we actually, um, he asked me to marry him. So um, we had been dating for three years and then, you know, got met him, got married and off to Texas. <laughs> okay. That brings up another question with the marriage visa, which we haven't really spoken about in any other podcast. Um, how does that work? Because don't you have to be with a person for like four years or you have to prove that you've been with them for a while or whatever before you get married? How does that all work? Yes. So um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult process for me because of him being military, but it was still a very long, costly process. It cost me about fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars to file to become to get a green card. So um, I got my green card, but with that came uh, they came to our house to make sure that we lived together. They interviewed um, some of our friends that we knew. They interviewed some of the family that um, 
you know, he, you know, his side of the family. What made it difficult was that I was here and all my family was in the, you know, in South Africa. So mm -hmm. I had no one here for them to interview. So anyone that I knew, I had only known for maybe three years, if that. Okay. Um, so it made it a little bit harder, but because he was military, it became a whole lot easier and a quicker process. So what would have taken maybe a year to get a visa, it only took me about four to five months. And then once you had that visa, you could eventually apply for American citizenship, right? Correct. Yes. But it took me a lot longer to apply. I was a green card holder for about 10 years before I applied for citizenship. Um, and that was just because, you know, life got a hold of me. And mm. as a green card holder, I was able to do everything anyway. Yeah. Um, but then I decided I needed to get my citizenship, and that's where it became hard for me to decide to keep a dual citizenship or just become a, a U.S. citizen. So what did you decide? Have you kept dual? No, I did, uh, you know, give up my South African citizenship, and the only reason was is because there was so much paperwork and politics involved in it that if you have a dual, you have to make sure you always uh, keep up with your South African passport, which means you have to get hold of the embassy and then that costs a bunch of money. And then, you know, being a young married person that had no money because military doesn't pay very well. Um, and at that time I was working odd jobs. Um, you know, you can't afford to keep up with a South African passport and a U.S. citizenship. And so I just decided, you know, I don't ever plan on going back except to visit. And a U.S. citizenship allows me to do that. Yeah. So. I, I just took the easy route um, and just, you know, gave up my citizenship and kept my U.S. citizenship. Now I have a U.S. citizenship, yeah. And how often do you go back, if at all? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I have not been back in 22 <laughs> years, and I feel awful. I, you know, I want to go back. I've always wanted to go back, but, um, you know, it's, back in the day it was so expensive, and when you have to take yourself, your husband, and two kids, um, it becomes expensive to travel that far. And, you know, we didn't have the money. He was military. Um, it was hard. Life was hard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Life was hard as a South African coming here, not knowing anyone. It is hard. It's a very different culture, very different, um, it's just economy. It's, it's very different. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So, how long did it take you to actually feel like you were part of the furniture here in the U.S.? <laughs> feel part of the furniture? Great question. <laughs> I would say I still don't feel like a part of the furniture. Okay. It's, um, you know, coming from South Africa, it's, it's, it's very different. America, they work you to the bone. You work like a dog. You work every hour of every day. Whereas in South Africa, I felt like you were able to walk away and have a social life. Mm -hmm. um, here, it's hard because I don't have anyone besides my parents now who immigrated. Um, I don't have anyone here that you can reminisce with, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't just sit around the the braai and number one, no one knows what a braai is. So it's around the barbecue mm -hmm. and, you know, you can chit chat about, Oh my gosh, remember what we did back then. And remember high school and, and remember the song, this sparks the memory of masquerade or cues or, 
you know, and everyone looks at you as if you're crazy here. And it's kind of like you have to turn off the your South African and turn on your American, but you don't understand at all, if that makes sense. Um, It's like you don't fit in, but you fit in. Um, So you have to work extra hard to fit in. Um, So, yeah, I I think I'm a piece of furniture, but not an (laughs) antique piece of furniture. (laughs) I'm that new contemporary furniture. <laughs> no, I can totally relate. Actually, uh, we, were, we were talking about this the other day because I recently had a friend who's moved into our complex from South Africa and uh, we grew up together and, you know, it's nice to relate to somebody. You don't actually realize it until somebody, you know, comes over mm-hmm. that you can relate and you talk about school days and, oh, we did this and we did that. And it feels totally different now. Now that you're talking mm-hmm. to someone who knows what you're talking about. And I think it's, it's such a big culture difference between South Africa and America because the things we grew up with and, and whatever, no matter how close it is, it's never it's never going to be the same. And no, um, it's it's hard. It was really you know it was difficult for us to make friends and stuff as well. Um, how did you find that? Did you did you make friends easy or was it like quite a process? So when I first got here, um, you know, the only friends I had was the all pairs group that I met through having meetings but when you go off on yourself when I decided to stay and be a student you know I had formed friendships but you know like I said you don't have that bonding moment of we've been friends for 10 years so and I still have that today I don't have these long life friendships I have I've been I've been friends with someone for 10 years but it's still not the same relationship and you still feel like you're different to everyone else if that makes sense yeah um you know we were raised differently so when they talk about oh we used to go outside ride our bikes up and down the streets mom used to tell us when the street lights came on come home and i'm like well in south africa it's different we grew up behind walls we grew up where you couldn't just run in the streets i mean we did but we didn't you know (laughs) yeah so, you know, it's it's trying to explain and you just, but yes, I do have friends. I think my, my personality makes it easy for me. And of course, as a woman with a South African accent, which I probably have lost now, but everyone says I still have an accent and that's what makes people talk to me because they always ask me, first thing, are you Australian? Nope. Are you from England? <laughs> nope. I've even had, are you from Louisiana? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then when I tell them South Africa, they're shocked. Yeah. Um, and that's what starts conversations. So a lot of my friendships I've built are from, um, you know, just them asking me where I'm from and then being intrigued in how we grew up and, um, you know, life there. Yeah. So let's talk about that accent for a little bit because <laughs> that's definitely a Texas twang. Uh, yes. that you got going on. How long did it take you to get that? So you can blame that on my now husband, okay. my final husband, let's just say. Yeah. In one. <laughs> so um, he is a West Texas boy. And if anyone that's listening to this, West Texas is out in the boondocks. It's, uh, you know, very country, ranchers, horse riding, cowboys, that type of stuff. And that's where he's from. And, being with his family, that's where I've started getting that Texas twang because he's very country. So um, sometimes I have to turn the lingo on a little bit, but they all say I sound South African. So 
I don't hear it, but <laughs> is that an understanding thing? So like, oh, I can't understand what you're saying, and then you turn on the accent. No, kind of. I still don't understand. Like his dad, I can't understand him at all right. because he's very Texas. So sometimes he'll mumble under his breath, and I'm like, what was that? <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, they'll talk to me, and I'll spit out a y'all man or. Um, you know, let's go have a bra and I'm like a barbecue, you know, or yeah. I'm going to the bathroom or, um, you know, they always tell me, repeat that. What did you just say? That's so cool. So it still comes out, especially when I've been drinking and I've had a couple cocktails. Okay. The South African comes out. Yeah, I feel like nobody ever understands me of you. Yeah, it, it, it's hard, especially when you try and turn that link. you got to switch that lingo off that we use. Tomato, tomatoes. Um, <laughs> tomato, tomato, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's chat about uh, your parents. You mentioned you you brought your parents over. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that process firstly, and also how long did it take for that to happen? Sure. So, um, you know, after my divorce, my dad came. I mean, sorry, my mom came here, um, and she was here to support me and help me move and everything. And you, know, after that, she said, "You know what? I don't want to go home, but unfortunately, your visa was running out." So um, I had just got my citizenship before my divorce, um, which was perfect timing. And um, my mom said to me, you know, let's look into applying for me and your dad to immigrate. I had no clue what the process was. So um, we, we started researching it. And about six months after we decided to do it, we filed the paperwork. It was very expensive. It was almost $2,000 a person. Um, to get there just just to file paperwork Um, and it was a lot of legwork like getting birth certificates their marriage certificates um, letters of recommendation from their their jobs Um, they had to build resumes Um, then I had to also submit all my stuff Um, you know and then of course I was in the process of getting a divorce so the worst part was I had filed for them and then I had to refile the paperwork as a single person um, because they go off of your income. Um, if you can financially support these two people that you're sponsoring to come into America. And when I filed that paperwork as a single person, I was like, I don't know if I'll qualify. But thank goodness at that time I was, you know, I, was, I had a good job. I'd been in my job for about, uh, what was that? six years at the time, seven years at the time. So I had stability and I think that's what helped. Uh, But from there until when they got their paperwork was maybe almost two years. Um, And that was just a lot of back and forth with paperwork. They mailed everything to me. I'd send it to my mom and dad. They would send it back to me. Um, So just a lot of back and forth. Uh, But then finally they got the go ahead. We got the letters and um, that's when they decided to pack everything up and make the decision to move here. How long did you say their process was? Before, once Probably about two years. Okay, that's not too bad. No, it's not bad. I think it's because, you know, you just got to keep up with it. And if anyone's doing it, make sure you stay on top of it. I always emailed. I was always on the website status checking. I was always making sure that every single bit of documentation they asked for I had it before I submitted it. And the reason was I didn't want them 
know, you know, you know, you know, the process is going to be long, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to have to submit something, wait for them to go through it, then submit something back to me, say, hey, this is missing. And then it takes a few more weeks and you have to send it back. So I made sure that every single bit of documentation they wanted was in that document. I stapled it. I copied it. I did whatever I needed to do in order to make sure that it was ready. Right. And you didn't go through a lawyer at all, eh? Nope. I did it all by myself. I went on the website, didn't pay anyone. I did it step by step. And, you know, the, the, their directions on their website is actually pretty clear. Okay. Um, it's very easy if you just follow along, make yourself a checklist. But, no, I did everything myself. No lawyers involved at all. Okay. Well, that you know, doesn't sound too bad. You know, I encourage anyone, don't always use a lawyer. Just to read up. It, it's, it's, not, it, it's a lot of work. But it's not very overwhelming if you just go step by step by step and follow along. Yeah, I think that's also, uh, you know, one of the questions we're trying to answer on the podcast is, is it good to use a lawyer or to do it by yourself? And I think for different visas, I think it's it's good for, you know, to, to use a lawyer. But then in your case, it was, it was okay to do it by yourself. So. I think uh, we just give them all the information and take it from there. Yeah. And then, you know, I know my parents right now are looking at using someone because all their money is still in South Africa. They've never brought it over. Mm -hmm. So I think if you do, if you're looking at financial stuff, bringing it over, then yes, you may yeah. need to use a lawyer. Um, but now that they're here, it's just working out that part of it, which I would recommend using someone because I'm in no way, shape or form a money person. Yeah. And do you miss anything about South Africa? Oh my gosh, everything. Great question. Um, you know, I miss my friends. I miss the culture. Um, I just miss hanging out. Um, I think here everything is so just, everyone just works all the time. And I feel like trying to go out and have a beer or a drink with someone you know, um, not that it has to be a drink, even just dinner. It's so hard because everyone is so busy. Um, and I feel like in South Africa, it was we always had plans. It was like, hey, we're coming over this weekend. And it, even if you weren't invited, you just showed up. And that's what I miss about that um, is that, you know, someone could just show up at your door and be like, hey, you're here with my six pack or my box of wine and we're going to bra, you know? Yeah. Here, it's like, I feel like everything needs to be planned out. Or, you know, there's so many schedules. No one just knocks on your door and shows up. Um, but, yeah, I miss it. I miss the safaris, of course. <laughs> I get asked a lot about that. Like, do we live with lions and tigers? And, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, one, tigers don't live there. But, no. They should <laughs> you just know, say yes. So it makes a great yeah. conversation. Just say yes, we do. <laughs> I know. And then they're always like, well, does the city look like this city? I'm like, yeah, we have roads. We have buildings. It's like we yeah. don't live in mud huts, you know. So, yeah. um, but I do. I miss home. Okay. I, you know, I want to go back. Uh, we just got to find the right time to go back. And you mentioned you would never move back. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. I'd never move back. I don't regret it at all. I think it was the best thing for me. Um, you know, um, my kids, I'm raising my kids here. Um, together, me and my husband have seven children. We have a lot. Okay. And, uh, but we've experienced everything from, you know, kindergarten. I have a senior now who's graduating high school and I don't think my kids would have got the life they have here if I'd stayed in South Africa. 
I mean, it's it's just a difference. It's raising them different. I mean, America in no way, shape, or form is a perfect country. It has its problems, and we all know this. It, but South Africa, I just, I don't miss having to look over my shoulder or worry about, you know, what's going to happen to me or my kids. Um, and here, it may happen, but probably not as likely as it would over there. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've run out of time. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Any final thoughts on people uh, wanting to make the move? I would tell you do it. Um, if it's in your gut and you feel it in your heart that you want to do it, do it. Don't hesitate. Um, just think through it. Um, take the necessary steps and just do it. Get on a plane and go. I did not realize that when I got on that plane in May of 2000 that I would never come back home. And, you know, it, it was tough. It was hard. Um, I went through a lot. Um, I wanted to come home. I cried to come home, but I didn't. I stood my ground and said, I want to be here. This is what I want to do. And here I am. And I have a fabulous job, fabulous family. It, you know, it feels like home. Um, but of course I'll always bleed um, South African blood. So um, that'll never go away. Fantastic. Janita, thanks again. It's, it's been a wonderful conversation. I wish you all the luck and we definitely get together sometime for a proper braai. We'll oh, make absolutely. a plan, come down to Texas. Yeah, come enjoy the, the hot weather. <laughs> I think we, we've got enough of it over here, believe me. Right. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of South Africans Abroad. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, or even if you want to appear as a guest, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to tune in next time for more stories and insights from expat South Africans around the world. Until then, check it Tuesday.